Hey, Aza. Hey, Tristan. <laughs> so we're going to do a quick bonus episode of Your Undivided Attention to talk about what everyone's talking about, which is Elon Musk and Twitter. And obviously, you know, we could talk about the buyout and the board and all these things, but what we really wanted to do was just talk about what is this about? What could it mean? What, what is the problem with Twitter? And what are the opportunities if Elon Musk were to succeed in this endeavor? Because there's a decent chance that he could succeed. And even if he doesn't, I think it's important to have color on what are the real issues here? Is it really about free speech or is there some more to this picture? Why does Twitter matter? Well, Twitter is different than Instagram or YouTube because Twitter really is like the place where politics and journalism live. Journalists construct the world, the media world that the rest of us live in. So if you influence Twitter, you influence the ink that fills the pages of the media more broadly, including just Twitter itself. And that is our belief, right, at the Center for Humane Technology is that the pen that is writing the history book, uh, the ink that fills that pen is filled by the algorithms of social media. I genuinely believe that tech, by controlling what people are feeling, thinking, and believing, controls the outcome of everyone's decisions and the elections that, that go. And we've seen lots of evidence of that uh, in, our, in our podcast. And unlike other social media platforms, like Instagram is not a civil war for profit machine. <laughs> but Twitter is a fault line finding for profit machine. Fault line finding for profit equals doom scrolling for profit equals bad mental health for profit machine. Right? It finds all the fault lines in society currently that are most engaging. It brings them up to the top and then it highlights them. So it's like turning up the contrast in an image. So when you see it that way, is it really about free speech? No, free speech matters. We should say that. We want to live in a world, we believe in free speech at the Center for Humane Technology too. We want a world where we have conscious evolution of the systems, which means especially people should be able to question the assumptions of the system that they're inside of. But we also want to question that in a productive way, not in a snarky, cynical, harassment, doxing, you know, hate everybody kind of way. And right now you are currently paid in more likes and followers the more clever you are at outgrouping your fellow countrymen, your fellow human. And you know, Elon Musk, if he did buy Twitter, would be in a position to radically change the design mandate of the company and the OKRs. I mean, so in OKRs, that phrase in Silicon Valley means objectives and key results. It's the way that Silicon Valley companies kind of measure quarter to quarter what is our objective and what are key measurable results that we would have if we were to align with that objective. And right now, that usually looks something like we want to grow our user numbers by 30% over the next year. We want to grow engagement by 10%. And then literally you have engineers that say on their resumes when they work at Twitter for two years, they say, hey, I grew engagement by 3% in Saudi Arabia last year. That's my accomplishment. And then they go to the next tech company and they tell people that's what I did. What we want to do is change the underlying currency of Twitter. And you know, we've heard Elon Musk talk about his you know, mission statement. He wants to make sure we don't extinguish the light of consciousness. And we want to make sure that we have a future that we believe in, that we're excited about, right? And that's what Tesla's about. That's what SpaceX is about. We want to be excited about the future. And I agree that we should be excited about the futures that we're creating. But right now, Twitter is the kind of one project in that portfolio that, you know, by revealing the kind of doom scrolling for profit, the most engaging inflammatory fault line day in, day out for everyone, um, you know, it, it, it's not really accomplishing that goal. And I think the deep opportunity is to be able to transform Twitter in a more radical way to be of deep service to humanity extending the light of consciousness and to enabling really constructive kinds of speech and back and forth that enable democracies to outcompete 
China, right? And the, and the other form of digital authoritarianism that's currently weighing on the world. Maybe this is the opportunity to prove that digital 21st century democracies can outcompete uh, 21st century autocracies, digital autocracies like China and Russia. But to do that would take a much more dramatic redesign than simply enabling more free speech than existed before. I think there'd be some pretty big changes, one of which would be a really big reduction in the amount of virality that the system would have. And that would be challenging because, of course, who wants to give up the power they already have? Yeah. And um, if you spent the last 10 years, like, and you spent a lot of time on Twitter to like get to that number, like a lot of people, like comedians or influencers or YouTube hosts or whatever, you actually, like, this is an economic engine for you, right? So the number of followers equals kind of your economic well being. And if we suddenly said, we're going to live in a world where you're going to go from that 1 million followers or 500,000 followers that you worked for the last 10 years with your blood, sweat, and tears to get, and we're going to take that down to, hey, we're all not going to reach as many people because we all might say that thing isn't good for all of us as a society or for making democracies work better. You know, another thing that comes to my mind in a kind of redesign of Twitter is, Tristan, you were telling a story about Jon Stewart. And he was... Um, in the creation of The Daily Show, that he went to his executives and said, I am not going to be looking at our viewership numbers. I'm going to blind myself from uh, knowing what my audience wants because I do not want to be captured by my audience. Um, and in that created the freedom for him to you know, do his authentic, brilliant, artistic form. I think a very similar thing could happen on Twitter. And of course, it'd be very hard, but if you removed all the metrics so that you didn't see what people wanted, so you weren't bound by your audience, that would also be a very different kind of much more nonviolent Twitter. Totally. I, I love your ringing up this point because I think it's very subtle, but um, you know, you have this phrase, Aza, that hill climbing might be the hill that we die on, which is to say that... Um, it's kind of a reference to machine learning, but you know, there you are and you tweet something and you notice if you say it this way, you get like 10% or 20% more followers than if you said it this other way. So you start to like stretch the truth a little bit. You start to make it a little bit more salacious. And we are all optimizing. It's not just newspapers or Breitbart or New York Post or MSNBC or Fox News uh, that are figuring out, you know, that Ben Shapiro obliterates person on the left and, you know, Russell Brand, you know, takes down Fox News, whatever the thing is. Um, that language, why are we arriving at that language? Well, it's because everyone is A-B testing. They're testing it one way, A, testing another way, B. They're hill climbing their way towards whatever gets the most attention. And, you know, a radical proposal you're making is, hey, what if we weren't judging ourselves by the short-term, immediate, quantized uh, performance of what we say, which is basically just like kind of literally like a summation of your nervous system lighting up. Like how much can I get your nervous system to light up? And that's just like not a thing that we want. And so how can we get everyone to make their inner daily show, their inner John Stewart, beautiful, brilliant thing that only they can do in the world? How can we incentivize that thing to exist? How can we give the creative space for people to be making the thing that they're uniquely gifted to do and not be uh, governed by whether or not it was seen by the maximum number of people. Because we know that the things that will be seen by the maximum number of people are simply just the most triggering statements. And you know, to, to double down on this point on you're making about Jon Stewart, uh, there's another part of that episode, I think it's, he's talking about what's broken with the news and the media. You know, a lot of people often uh, 
respond to us at the Center for Humane Technology and the social dilemma, and they say, hold on a second, we had partisan radio and TV and um, partisan television, especially uh, Fox News, MSNBC, before all this stuff with social media. But in his interviews, in John Stewart's interviews with um, some TV producers, and in this case, I think it was a Fox News producer, they talked about how those TV producers were living on Twitter to see what was resonating with the public. And so actually, there you have it right there, that what's resonating with the public as determined by a trending algorithm inside of Twitter is literally determining what goes on TV, right? So it is quite simply the case that technology is upstream from media and culture and all these other things because it's setting up the basis of how everything else is judged. And you know, the kind of proposals that we're talking about here are deeper redesigns than simply enabling just more speech or figuring out a different content moderation policy. It's like, what would the Twitter look like that's making humanity a multi-planetary species? You know, there's this question of like, will we get off the planet? Will we go to the stars? Will we become the Star Wars, Star Trek civilization? And, you know, let's just think about that. I've, I've actually watched some of the Star Trek movies recently. And you just think to yourself, like, gosh, how did they get to the 23rd century? How, what, what did they have to go through? What, what, you know, developmental trajectory, what inventions, what ways did they have to organize themselves socially? What social technologies, what new forms of money and then getting post money? Like, how did they get to that place? How do they organize their information spaces to get to this point where they could kind of travel the universe and the stars? And, you know, I think that that's the question I would like Elon Musk asking is like, what's the information system that helps us get to the stars? What is the purpose of free speech? Like, why do we even want free speech in the first place? What's challenging about free speech is that it's both an end and it's a means, right? An end because we all have a yearning to express ourselves. That's part Maslow's hierarchy of needs, of self-actualization. Um, and it's also a means to a bigger end, which is, you know, a well-functioning democracy, and, you know, if we're going to use an Elon phrase, perhaps it's even bigger than that. It's to extend the light of human consciousness. So these things are intention because we are talking about individual rights and expressions. And we're talking about the needs of the collective, of democracies. It is overly simplistic to say we can maximize for free speech in all contexts. And I would say that I think too often um, when people have a problem with Twitter censorship, they're talking about how it affects them individually, which makes sense. Like individuals want the ability to speak. I totally agree with that. We want to be able to create the ability for free speech. Um, and there's this common aphorism that the solution to bad speech is more speech. The problem is that that's only true when it's good faith speech. The solution to bad faith speech is not more bad faith speech. And right now, Twitter of kinds of speech to reward rewards bad faith speech ad nauseum and more bad faith speech in response to bad faith speech. It wants to exponentiate bad faith speech. We want good faith speech, speech that increases faith in communication itself. That's from the Consilience Project. And what would that look like? Like, what would it look like for Twitter to actually be enabling the kind of good faith speech that actually enables us to become a multi-planetary civilization as opposed to become a cesspool of bad faith speech that drags down and collapses civilization into never becoming multi-planetary? So there are totally ways to radically transform Twitter to be a good faith speech engine, but it would need very deep and radical redesigns. 
currently we have a kind of noise and cacophony machine, what would it look like to have the listening machine, the machine that helps us listen to each other to actually be transformed by each other's ideas? Now, a lot of people are going to like that because, again, on the individual level, people want to express themselves. And part of that expression is what we don't like about maybe how society is going or how our political tribe is going or how the other political tribe is going. And we want to be able to protect those virtues. But I would encourage us to zoom out to, you know, as we've said before in this podcast, right now we can notice that digital authoritarian societies like China are employing all of these technologies to make a stronger form of authoritarian society. And democracies, by contrast, are not consciously saying, what's all the technology we can use to make stronger democracies, to make stronger 21st century societies? Instead, currently, democracies are allowing private tech companies to profit from degrading democracies into these cacophony machines, these, these sort of fault-line-finding breakdown machines. Now, the opportunity is, actually, if Elon were to take the company private, would to make it no longer to beholden to these quarterly earnings reports and having to grow each quarter to the public market you could actually change the new objective function. And those changes could occur if you were actually able to take it off the public market and do something you know, with a deeper investment. But that, that might be the opportunity we're presented with here. Your Undivided Attention is produced by the Center for Humane Technology. Thank you for giving us your undivided attention.